0: Double sessions banning ketchup and mayonnaise and video sessions longer than a viewing of the Lord of the Rings. Antonio Conte is getting settled in at Tottenham, but can he catapult Spurs into the top four? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. To whip Marco Hair into shape, I can rely on him to do his own video analysis as long as it doesn't involve sci-fi. Uh, Mark, Tottenham <laughs> went into the weekend six points off the top four. Are they realistic contenders to make the top four this season? And how will they get on against Leeds this Sunday?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think they probably are. Uh, we talked about it before the international break after Conte's appointment and. Um, I think the general consensus was they're more than capable of doing so because the top three might be locked in Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool, but that fourth place is certainly available. Manchester United should, in theory, be taking it, but uh, the way in which they're floundering at the moment and the dilly-dallying over the uh, managerial position means there's an opportunity there for someone else and West Ham have sort of taken up uh, the lead there but uh, I'm not sure whether they are able to sustain that across the campaign particularly with Europa League commitments coming their way Uh, we've seen Bonner get injured recently and if they get a couple more key players on the sidelines they could be stretched but um, Tottenham uh, I think can only improve uh, from where they have been so far and certainly in that opening game against Everton we didn't learn a huge amount about uh, Antonio Conte's Spurs because uh, the game well nothing really happened did it it was a a dreadful game really Um, so um, yeah what we have been learning is, as you say, you know, increased fitness levels and reduced condiments in the canteen, which is very cliche for a European manager to come in. And these are the news stories we are fed, uh, but uh, fitness needs to be improved and catch up is off the menu. So, um, but what I've been interested to learn really is Conte is very, very keen to fix things in the final third Um Spurs failing to have a shot on target for the second successive Premier League game. And I think he's unfairly labelled as a defensive coach. um, And he's very much talking about um, trying to get the attacking patterns in this Tottenham team firing again in training. And sure, some of his players will be away in international duty. So his time has probably been limited in that regard. But if you look at Spurs, where are their their key assets? Certainly in the final third. So supplying Kane, supplying Son uh, and getting that midfield makeup um, polished is probably key right now so um, they should get chances against Leeds we know what Leeds are all about um, defensively just the one clean sheet so far this season not a huge surprise considering how they do play but um, their attack hasn't been firing on all cylinders this season in terms of chance creation but also you know, injuries have played a big part in Leeds demise so far this season um, I still think they're very much capable of putting on a, a decent display but we've seen all too often now that when they do come up against the, the better teams in the division they can be caught out particularly in counter-attacks and trans If you go back to this game in the reverse under Mourinho, I think it was last uh, January potentially, Um, Spurs won it 3 0. I think they had about 40% possession, just cut leads apart really in transitions. Um, Wouldn't be too much of a surprise to see something similar happen. so, yeah, I fancy Spurs at uh, the prices, um, just shy of 1.8. I think that's more than appealing uh, because I'm sure they went to Ellen Road um, around May time and their are odds-on favourites to win that game. They did lose, but it kind of goes to show that the price on Spurs is has uh, kind of uh, inflated a little bit considering where they've been and what they've produced so far this season I uh, talk about Leeds in, in sort of uh, negative terms they have scored in 19 of the last 24 away games since promotion but just six clean sheets in that spot sample as well um, potentially having Bamford and Ailing back this weekend which is big uh, but uh, ultimately I think Spurs are, are too good for them and uh, you just look at Leeds last season six defeats in eight away at the top teams above them I should say six defeats in eight conceding 24 goals this season they winless against teams above them and they've lost all three against the top six conceding 10 times so I think Spurs if they continue to make incremental improvements in both boxes should be too savvy for for Leeds and BL. so I'd expect Conte to have his number. The Data Doctor will see you now.
0: Jake Oskathorpe from InfoGoal is here. Uh, Jake, a chaotic win over Vitessa and a goalless draw at Everton under Conte so far. If you look at Spurs' previous numbers, obviously, you, you know, there's no numbers we can really look at in terms of what Conte's done in his first couple of games. But where do they need to improve according to the data?
2: Everywhere. <laughs> Ah, there we go. He's your list,
0: Antonio. Get
2: on with it. Uh, well, you know, the, defensively, they were a shambles. They were allowing around 1.6 expected goals against per game this season. Um, and in attack, they were equally as bad. They were averaging around 1.1 1. 1 expected goals for per game. And that's kind of the sort of figures we'd expect to see from a team round about bottom six, looking down the barrel rather than looking up at chasing the top six. So there, there's a lot of work to be done. And I, I think for me, the, the main... You know, you know, like Mark just said, that the Conte is going to come in and try and make them a bit more explosive in attack. And I'd like to see that. But for me, the main port of call for Conte is going to be making them more difficult to beat. And it sounds, it's, you know, it's going to sound horrible for Spurs fans because it's going to look a lot like what Mourinho uh, tried to do for a long period of his tenure but I do think that, they're, that making them more difficult to beat and then building on that is going to be the way to improve especially on the fly because don't forget when Conte's gone into other clubs um, your Chelsea's your Inter Milan's he's brought in with a full pre-season so he could implement everything he wanted to in that two, three months he's having to do this to a Tottenham team who you know they're, they're the same core group of players have been there for a long time and trying to get them to you sort of understand his ideas trying to get them to play in his manner and his way basically with two or three training sessions a week because they're playing twice a week. That's a lot different. And I think that they are are going to improve under Conte, but I don't think it'll be a rapid improvement. I don't think it'll be instantaneous. Right, they're going to kick on and finish top four because I do think that he's a coach that has you know quite detailed tactical tweaks that he's going to make to certain systems and i think that that will take a longer period of time for spurs fans to one understand him and to actually implement it on the pitch so i'm not expecting a um an overnight turnaround because i do think that his ways are so difficult to understand and i think that there are the reason he's had success at his clubs is because he's had a long period of time to come in and implement Um, So I'm I'm fully expecting them to play in a similar manner to what they did against Everton in in the sort of defence-first idea of... of trying to be difficult to be keeping a clean sheet because that's something that Spurs haven't done a lot of uh, for a long period of time now. Look, Just looking more solid at the back and then you can almost build on that foundation as, as the weeks progress. And against Leeds, you know, contes he's not daft. He knows that Leeds have some excellent attacking players. You've got Rafinha, you know, Bamford who might be back in, Rodrigo as a threat, Daniel James who can cause problems on the break. So I think he'll be very, very cautious of that and will play in a manner that will try and stifle them but also potentially give Spurs one or two big chances because, you know, if you think back to the title-winning team at Chelsea, that was a team that won that league on moments, really. They they were very, very difficult to beat. And then they had a couple of match winners up top, Diego Costa and Eden Hazard, who sort of got them 1-0 wins, occasionally 2-1 wins. And I think that this is, that kind of method is what they're going to use in this sort of interim period, trying to keep things tight, keep the game tight, and then have your players like Kane and Son win you a match 1-0 and that's fully what I expect here and and the reason I, I say 1-0 is because of Leeds in attack which is what Mark's already talked about just going into a bit more detail defensively Leeds are still vulnerable they're performing at a similar level to spurs based on expected goals against per game this season um their attacks are at a similar level as well which is a big drop-off for Leeds because last season they were averaging around 1.63 expected goals for per game this season are at 1.22 so is that because just, of injuries jake mainly I, I think that's the injuries has got a, a big parts playing that bamford's a massive cog in that Leeds uh, attacking system not just the goals he scores but the way in which he brings other people into play and and you know, lays chances on plates for for his teammates. But I also think it's something to do with potentially them not being found out, but you've had a Premier League teams have had a 38-game sample to look at leads and sort of assess how to nullify them, how to keep them quiet, um, how to sort of limit them from creating high-quality chances while also causing them problems at the other end. So I think there's a little bit of that going on as well. Um, And the main issue really has been the lack of big chances created by Leeds because only in fact no team has conceded more uh, created fewer sorry non-penalty big chances than Leeds um, they've only created three we clarify non-penalty big chances any chance that has an XG total of 0.35 or bigger so Leeds have created only three of those in 11 matches which is tied with Norwich for the worst in the league so basically the taking a lot of pot shots from distance there you know a lot of potentially a lot of headers that come in from uh, from Leeds that are also low probability chances uh, and you know Rafinha scored two or three wonder goals from the edge of the box which you're going to get over the course of the season but that isn't really sustainable um, and that sort of lack of clear cut creation from Leeds coupled with what i think will be a very defense minded defense first approach from tottenham i think could lead to a low scoring game so I'm opposing goals but I'm doing it a little bit safer way than just under 2.5 I think uh, I'm going under 2.75 in this one which is around 1.93 or it should be up around 1.93 on the exchange um, that means if there's Two goals or fewer, we get a full winner. If there's three goals exactly, we get a half loser. So if it finishes 2-1, then we only lose half our stake. And if any more goals than that, we lose our full stake. And I just think this is going to be a little bit of a a low-scoring game because you know Leeds haven't been the free-scoring team that we've seen last season. They've not been conceding loads and loads of goals as we saw last season. Their games have been relatively tight and low-scoring. So I think this could follow suit. Now, odds compiler Mark
0: Stinchcombe as we've discovered this season, is not a massive fan of some Italian coaches. However, I have a feeling that your views on Antonio Conte might be a little more positive than your view on Claudio Ranieri. stinch. Yep,
3: yeah, very similar to the other guys. I expected a, an immediate impact. Didn't quite say a good Park, but maybe not the worst thing to sort the defence out first and then have a foundation to build upon. It's but he is quite
0: an attacking coach, isn't he? I know we've talked a lot about, and understandably so, about organisation and drilling the players and what have you. But Mark alluded to it at the top of the show. If you look at his inter-team, and they had Lautaro and they had Romelu Lukaku and they had players breaking from midfield. He does like to play attacking football, even though it's not always possible.
3: Yeah, I mean, he managed to like shoehorn uh, Perisic in you know, as a wing back, And, yeah. you know, he's a winger by, by trade. Um, I did slightly wonder whether he was going to do the same to, to Son. But uh, thankfully, <laughs> I think he has gone more for the 3-4-3. The three, three, so he can get Son as, a, as one of the, as one of the, the, front, the front three. Yeah, I think honestly, i mean, kind of just reiterating um, thoughts from uh, from the previous time when we discussed uh, the game against Everton. I think Spurs are going to do absolutely fine, and I mean, interestingly enough, uh, West Ham won against the odds uh, on that weekend, and Arsenal won against the odds on that weekend. Obviously, Spurs failed to win, but Spurs' price for the top four has come in from seven to one to six to one, so. That that just goes to show that you know weight of money perhaps is one reason for for the odds shortening despite the fact they didn't win and, and the other two did get wins. But I still kind of re- reiterate the fact that long term I think Spurs are the sort of value for top four. Maybe you could w- uh, wait another weekend and just see whether they do start to hit hit the uh, the, the burners on offensively. I mean, a lot of talk about Harry Kane, but you know, he's, at, he's going to be absolutely fine. I've no doubts about that. I mean, long, long term, his, his uh, record speaks for itself. So, yeah, I, I think I can't, can't really say too much more than what the guys have said. I, fully in agreement, I think Spurs will be absolutely fine. I mean, Antonio Conte himself was a box-to-box midfielder. He wasn't a, he wasn't a defensive midfielder yeah. by by type. I think uh, Deschamps used to do that sort of role for Juve and, and Conte was more of a sort of marquise, if you like. Um, so yeah, I, honestly, yeah, long term, I think Spurs will be absolutely fine and definitely think it's uh, worth trying to get them on side. Maybe not necessarily this weekend, but uh, longer term, then you have to rely on them winning uh, every time.
0: All right, editor Dan is a Tottenham fan. He'll be loving all of this positivity so far. Uh, we know it's frustrating, by the way, when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sports book, even during the AR reviews or when there's a penalty. There's a big Northwest clash in Manchester as the champions of Manchester City take on Everton. Jake City are the 1.18 favourites here. They haven't been flawless
2: at home. They haven't, no. But um, I think that that price is about where you'd expect it to be given, sort of, especially off the back of the Manchester derby. I mean, that performance, we've seen it quite a few times, actually, where Pep side have gone away to big six teams or big four teams, if you want to include Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea. And they've just dominated them and looked like their superior team. And I think that price has got a lot to do with that. I also think Everton... Um, they're winless in five, and that's not a surprise because their underlying process has dropped off massively. Um, last five, they've averaged 1.3 expected goals for and nearly two expected goals against per game. So they've become really easy to play against. And they're obviously missing key players. Calvert-Lewin and Abdullah Ducore, um, likely to miss this weekend as well. He but... seems massive as a miss, Ducore, because that whole midfield's just fallen apart without him, hasn't it? Well, yeah, he's he's... Probably, you know, he's up there with one of the best box box midfielders in the Premier League in the sense that not only does he provide a little bit of security and, um, you know, comes in and sits alongside Alan when needs be, but he also gets himself up to the end. I mean, he scored goals and got plenty of assists already this season. So, he's a massive miss and I don't think they've got anyone in that squad that can replace exactly what he does and that's sort of thrown them off a little bit. And you can argue the same with Calvert-Lewin because not only does he provide a serious goal threat and getting the six-yard box is obviously fantastic in the air they haven't you know he's, he's all-round plays hold-up plays running the channels his hustle, he's you know barging to defenders and just for, get, creating space for other players they haven't got anyone that can come in and do that I mean Solomon Rondon is trying to but he's you know not as dynamic as Calvert-Lewin um, and you know it, it's all of a sudden looking like it could be another mid mid-table also around season for Everton after what was such a good start and Just going back to City, where they've excelled this season has been defensively yet again. Um, Just 0.74 expected goals against per game is what they're conceding. That is kind of the levels that, you know, it's it's close to what we saw from them um, in the 100 point season where they, you know, really, really just took over the league and uh, based on. Infocult's data, which stretches back to 2014, that team is the best when it comes to defensive process over a full season. And that was at 0.7. So City at 0.74 are very close to being the best defensive team we've seen since we started collecting the XG data. Um, All of that into one package. Podcast staple of Man City to win in under 3.5 goals. Uh, Even money does really appeal because, you know, Everton, they'll know that they can't go toe-to-toe. They've not got the players to do that even if everybody is fit but the Rafa Benitez is capable of organising a a deep line block and making things very difficult for for Manchester City and I think that it might be a little bit of a struggle at times for City to break them down, create chances but I think that they will score at least once and I think they'll keep a clean sheet in this game So a multiple there from Jake
0: and from November the 19th to the 25th we are doubling our daily rewards stake £20 on multiples or bet builders over the course of a day and after the bets have settled you'll get a free £10 bet to use on multiples or bet builders Bets must settle within 48 hours, no opt-in required. T's and C's apply. Now, we've talked about Manchester City this weekend and how they're probably right to be odds on favourites in terms of the outright winner market for the Premier League. But a little quiz for you, gentlemen, which has been sent in uh, by our editor, Dan. That's two mentions of him on this show already. Um, Which team has been the best backed in terms of bets placed to win the Premier League this season on the exchange. So we know Manchester City are favourites, but which team has been the best backed in terms of bets placed to win the Premier League on the exchange? Stinch, I'm going to start with your guess. I will go for Chelsea. Mark. Uh,
1: I will go Liverpool.
0: Jake. West Ham. Our trio of experts, and they're all wrong. Manchester United was the answer, uh, which uh, I would suggest has been driven by a bit of uh, Ronaldo fever rather than any kind of realism. Uh, time to whiz around Europe now. That seemed mean, didn't it? I've basically made them all get a question wrong and, and undermine their authority as we move through the show. Uh, time to whiz around Europe with no visas required. Uh, Mark O'Hare... Redeem yourself and take us to Syria.
1: Yeah, we've got to wait to Monday for this match but it would be uh, rude not to mention a goals-based bet from Italy um, as we tend to do every week really but uh, the league is running at a, a lovely 3.06 goals per game average. 64% of matches have gone over 2.5, 62% of games have seen both teams scoring. Let's put those percentage hit rates into you know implied odds. Uh, the price on over 2.5 goals in a, in a blanket game in Serie A should be around 1.54. Both teams have score around 1.61. So, uh, um, that kind of gives you an idea of, of how good Serie a has been for goals. And uh, I like the look of Verona's game against Empoli on Monday night. Uh, it looks like a good opportunity to get on board with both sides, although um, both markets there backing over two and a half goals and both teams to score via the bet builder at 1.8. Uh, I remember talking up about uh, Verona before they played Lazio at the Bentegodi, and they didn't disappoint, beat Lazio up 4-1. Uh, they've since turned over Juventus as well at home 2-1. Uh, and last time out, they held Napoli at the San Paolo. Um, So this team clearly holds no fears whatsoever about playing the better teams in the league and they've got a real penchant for starting fast as well. Uh, No team has scored more first-half goals than Verona and they've got the best first-half goal difference as well. And if you look at their total goals so far, they've actually scored more goals than Napoli who've won 10 of their opening 12 games and remained unbeaten so far. But uh, yeah, as tend to do. It's all quite helter-skelter. They do give you an opportunity. Their 12 games are averaging 3.83 goals. Nine of 12 have gone over two and Five of 12 have gone over four and a half. They've scored an 11 of 12 uh, and they rarely keep a clean sheet. It's just once they've managed to shut the other team out. Kalinic is suspended, but uh, he's only started four games. He has scored three goals for them. But uh, the real man at the moment is uh, Diego Simeone's son, Giovanni, yep. who's in flying form at the moment. He's the main man. He's fit and available. So quite happy to, to pull the trigger here. Uh, as for Empoli, uh, they've been really good actually since promotion. Uh, dominated Serie B last season. I think they lost once until their final four games. Uh, they're actually level on points with Verona in mid-table, and on the road they've won four or five, including winning away to Juve as well. But they've scored twice or more in five of the last eight, conceded twice or more in nine matches already this season. And if you exclude the top six. And their results, performances have actually been really quite competitive and and commanding of a lot of respect, really. They're injury-free. They've scored in 9 of 12, just three clean sheets. I think this has got the the perfect ingredients for quite an open, expansive, entertaining game. Basically, two mid-table teams who will fancy their chance of winning, like to play on the front foot. Little pressure coming in considering the league positions as well. So I think when you put it all in the melting pot, I think 1.8 on BTDS and over 2.5 goals is is actually decent enough.
0: Sounds like tremendous fun. Uh, Stinch, you've got a couple of selections from La Liga. Let's start with Hitafe against Cadiz. Is this going to be the bloodbath I suspect it will be?
3: I think it might be a bit of a turgid affair looking at the uh, 4-11 to on under 2.5 goals. That is a very, very low goal expectation. Um, but it kind of in keeping with the, the low-scoring nature of La Liga, which has kind of surprised me over over the last few years. But obviously not with uh, games involving Hatafe. Uh, so a few weeks ago, I uh, opposed Hatafe um, at 13 to 10 home to Espanol, but they won 2-1. However, they went off at 13 to 8, so I kind of feel as if I got the value, just not the win. But it's more important from a a better to be to get the process right. And then we just let the long term results take care of themselves. Uh, But they returned to type next game. They lost uh, away to Villarreal, creating just 0.15 expected goals. And the league table still makes for, for grim reading, really. 13 games, one win, three draws, nine defeats, scored six, conceded 19 and they failed to win 13 of the last 14 matches now we go back a bit further they've won just 3 of the last 26 and mentioned them at the start of the season to be relegated around 5 to 1 uh, topped up on them a couple of weeks ago uh, 6 to 5 and they're now 4 to 6 so hopefully they uh, they a few people managed to get on at those couple of prices. I'm not going to claim to be to be an expert on uh, Cadiz because uh, most La Liga weeks I spent traw- trawling through the Hatafe players to find a <laughs> 17-fold booking uh, points accumulator. Um, but they've already held Barca, Villarreal and 5th place Betis this season. So I'm not going to say that going away to Hatafe is going to hold too much uh, problems for them. Just quickly on the, uh, the player cards perspective in terms of the bet builder. So last season, we did a lot of ones involving Damien Suarez and Jaime Mata. They're not playing that much this season, but it's always worth looking out if they do start. But one from uh, Cadiz uh, I came across was uh, Verazdat Harowan. Um, He joined in the summer from Astana, uh, a centre-back. He's got 69 yellows in domestic football, 30 for his country. (laughs) Only
0: 69?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not quite uh, Klaus uh, Gajula level, but um, he's already got 6 and 11 for his new side. I'm not sure what odds he goes off at, but I think if you can get, I'd say anything north of 6 to 4, it'd be worth chucking in a multiple with, with somebody else. But just going back to the match, Hatafe are odds on here. And I just can't get, can't get involved on that. So I'm going to continue down the route of uh, laying Hatafe around about 2.12 on the exchange. Now, you mentioned Klaus Jasula there. I took my dad to Wembley recently
0: to see England against Albania, and he was asking me about Albania. And I said, Klaus Jasula is a walking yellow card, uh, having picked up, I think, 17 Bundesliga bookings uh, when he was with Paderborn. And lo and behold, I think he was booked uh, before half So Eight minutes. I, I look, eight minutes, was it? Eight minutes, yes. So I looked vaguely as if I knew what I was talking about on that occasion. Uh, Stinch, you've got another one, haven't you, from Spain? Let's go to Granada, right? I think.
3: Yeah, I think this looks like quite a juicy price. Real Madrid are four to nine away to Granada, but if we back them to win and both teams to score, we can get nine to five. And uh, this season under Ancelotti, they've won eleven games, but eight of them have come in this fashion. And I don't think that's uh, too surprising with the departures of Ramos and Varane. Yeah. Um, Alaba, obviously, a bit more of a, an offensive centre back, if you like. So maybe like that's just a sort of more gaps there. Um, and Madrid won this fixture 4-1 last season, so I think I can see something similar happening. I mean, both teams to score is just it's just three to four. So if you were to crudely multiply them together, that's not the correct way to price this market. But if you crudely do it that way, you'd get about eight to five. So the fact it's going up to nine to five, uh, going the proper way, just I think just seems a logical sense. Um, Granada have scored in eight of their 12 games, but they've only scored two or more in in two of those games. So I'm not expecting them to to get lots of goals but i think they're capable of certainly getting one but essentially this is the madrid have had the most shots in the league and granada conceding the most so i think this is basically attack v defense Um, but i do think granada are capable of uh, taking advantage of of one goal on on the odd attack so uh, madrid are undefeated in 29 of the last 30 matches in the liga which surprised me to be honest because we don't consider them as sort of one of the standout forces. Uh, obviously they are one of the best teams in the league, but they're not it's not Real Madrid and Barcelona dominated league as it used to be. So I think it's all about trying to get Madrid on side and I, I just think boosting the four to nine to nine to five um, something that they're doing in regular fashion, you can take it this week and I think you can continue during the season to bat them to win and both teams to score.
0: And finally, to Ligue 1, Jake, you want to look at a potential cracker between Lyon and Marseille?
2: Yeah, it has the potential to be a cracker, but I'm not expecting many goals. That's my angle oh, in this one. Oh, Jake! Um, and, you know, the, 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 sorry, sorry to put a damper on everything, guys. Oh, I'll okay. start again, shall I? <laughs> uh, no, Lyon Leon obviously are in a bit of bad shape at the moment. They were thumped by Wren before the break pressure on Peter Bosch and the 13th based on expected points this season so they really are struggling they're performing poorly based on all the underlying metrics they're averaging uh, 1.74 expected goals against per game which is really high in Wow that's really high for Liga isn't it? It is yeah um, and you know going forward they're, attacking, they're averaging 1.51 expected goals for per game so there are usually chances at both ends in their matches but when we look at Marseille, um, the recent form, the recent performances, all sort of lean towards a low goal total in this one. Um, they've obviously they had a manic start to the season, didn't they? They were so crazy; there were goals everywhere, left and right, in the first three, four matches. But they've calmed down a little bit, and overall this season they're averaging 1.48 expected goals for and 1.42 expected goals against per game. Um, fourth in the table, which is you know it's, it's not bad. It's a very congested table behind PSG. And there's a lot of teams in the mix finishing in the top three. Um, but eight of their last 10 have gone under 2.5 goals, uh, Marseille, in the league, which is quite a, a big chunk. This is a high percentage for a team managed by Jorge Sampaoli, who you'd expect to be playing front foot, chaotic football. But they've kept things much tighter um, over the, that period. And and it's sort of translated across to Europe as well. They've had a few nil-nils in big games. Um so for me, looking at the the goal line, it's it's set around 2.75, um, but we can actually get under 3.25 uh, at around 1.79 on the exchange. Now what that means is if there is two goals or fewer, we get a full payout. If there's exactly three goals, we get half a half a win uh, and we only lose this bet if there's four or more goals. and in Marseilles 13 games this season, this bet would have won in eight of those. Um, in Lyon's 13 games this season this would have won in five but we'd have also received half wins in in three of those so it is a bet that has clipped quite regularly in the matches between in general this season between these two sides and the last few meetings uh, between these two teams finished 1-1 So we would have seen this bet land as well. And I just think that this could be quite a tight game given what we've seen from Marseille. And Lyon, they're going to have to tighten things up defensively if they are to sort of kick on and claim a Champions League spot because if they continue in the manner that they are, they're going to lose more matches than they're going to win. That's the Peter Boss way. Uh, That's all (laughs) we have time for on this edition
0: of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Plenty of other shows to enjoy on the Betfair podcast network. NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better, Racing Only Better. We've got the Weighed In podcast as well. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing or simply go to Betfair.com. From Stinch, Mark, Jake and me, it's goodbye for now.